I'm getting that hat that she wears, the like turban, red hat oh. and black with the red jacket. Okay. From the jump. I'm getting it. That was a good look. Uh-huh. All right, I'm getting her whole outfit from the date where they go to the toy store and bounce on bouncy things. Is that the black sparkles? Black scoop neck, yeah. long sleeve shirt, and then like sort of giant green paper bag waist pants with yes. a big belt with a big square buckle. Yes. That's so good. Yeah, I'm getting pretty much like everything that Christina Applegate was about in this movie. Yeah. Her cute little hairstyle. Ooh, that dress she was wearing in the very first scene that was like sheer red floral print over like a bodysuit. Yeah. I'm getting the Metallica shirt that her brother was wearing. <laughs> nice. Nice one. <laughs> All right. I'm Liza. I'm, I'm the sewing one. Sorry. I'm Liza. <laughs> I'm Liza. I'm the sewing one. I'm Megan. I'm the writing one. And you're listening to There's No Thread. Where's the iron? Can mice and birds sew? Oh, Polly, no. don't cut right up on. that dress. It's the sewing machine. Where's the iron? Oh my God, I'm sweating. Where's the iron? Taffeta. <laughs> <laughs> Muslin. Ooh, I'd wear that. Is that, Is that machine, machine even threaded? Today we're talking about the 1991 Stephen Herrick film, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. This is kind of an unusual movie for this because uh, Sue Ellen doesn't sew anything. Uh, but she does work with the factory that she's got this random job in. Um, you caught that, right? She does not sew. Oh, yes. Okay. She draws, though. Liza. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're with us. Liza never knows. What Megan she... is with us today. <laughs> <laughs> Quick cool thing about Stephen Herrick. He also directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm, which I can actually, you can really see shades of that in this. Um, yeah. The, it's just, it's so good. This movie is so good. And I'm so glad. Big shout out to Courtney Katsianis for recommending it. I had forgotten. I, I remembered how much I loved this movie. But of course, you know, I had never thought about it from a sewing perspective. <laughs> I have so many questions. Let me remember what my answers are. <laughs> uh, the costume designer is Carol Ramsey. She also did Horrible Bosses. Did you ever see mm. that? Yes. Um, and there was a TV show in the early 2000s called Popular. Do you I kind that? of, I remember it existing. I don't think I saw it. It was definitely like clothing heavy because it was like cool high school kids. You can't be popular without the best clothes. That's right. You know that. <laughs> yes. Okay, Megan, will you tell us who's in this movie and what do they do? Okay. Uh, we have Christina Applegate as Sue Ellen, a.k.a. Swell, which took me half the movie to be like, why do they keep saying Swell to her all the time? And then I was like, oh, that's short for Sue Ellen. Actually, I gotta ask you. So, Megan, you're the you're the writer. You're the writing expert. You're the writer. You're a writing person. Well. <laughs> I think that's a, a dumb writer nickname. I don't think real human beings would call somebody swell because you need a hard sound for a nickname. You need Meg. Yes. You need. Big Meg. Big Meg. You yeah. need. Megizzle. You need yeah. to make it longer. You need to. But you got to have a hard sound. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I mostly hate nicknames because I feel like they're unrealistic <laughs> and they're trying to be like, like something cute. cute. Like, yeah. this is, I I couldn't stand it. When they finally were, like, calling her Sue Ellen, and when she got hired and stuff, I was like, oh, thank God, they're going to call her by her actual name. Yeah. I actually um, really like the, the love interest. Josh Really Charles. clearly said, Swell, Sue L. Yeah. And so, like, he wasn't calling her Swell, he was calling her Sue L. It just, it sounded like a writer trying to be cute, come mm-hmm. up with a cute nickname. You're a writer and you're cute. What do you think about that? Um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, I'm I'm really attuned. There's another writer thing that I pay attention to a lot in scenes. It's how many times someone says someone else's name in a scene. Oh, like when you and I are yeah. interacting, how often do I actually say, Liza? You know what I mean? Liza? Well, are you serious? Liza? Like, I say your name once when we start talking. And sometimes I say, for instance, and I yes. say sister because you're my sister. But I 
hate when you're watching dialogue and people say each other's names for no reason. It's one of those writer things where sometimes it looks good on the page because it has emphasis. And mm-hmm. especially in fiction, it kind of, I feel like you can get away with it more. But when you're actually speaking to somebody, it is takes you so far out of the actual scene. I just said actual five times. When you're speaking to somebody, it takes you very far out of the scene because you're suddenly aware that they're saying each other's names for no reason except that it like feels good to the writer on the page. It's like, Or it's like they know that there's an audience. Yeah. So they're clarifying who is speaking for the audience. Which actually, I mean, I have told you before for the podcast, like we have to say, Megan, we have to say each other's names more often, Megan. <laughs> so it's funny that we're having this discussion right now, Megan. It is very performative. <laughs> well, they, they say there's like a, a producer's draft of a script and then like the script the actors usually use and oftentimes oh. yeah I mean this is I don't know if this is like it's kind of a mentality around like whoever's reading the script for the first time or whoever's not an actor is going to need more information right so uh-huh. it oftentimes will make sense to have more explanation more on the nose dialogue more like so they might actually see a different script well I mean they can yeah mm, because so a lot of times when you're shooting kind of on the fly actors or even on in theater like it'll be like oh I don't know if I actually need this much of this line or like I've I've written monologues and then seen them on stage and like cut them in half just because you get so much mileage out of what the actor is doing and saying you don't need as many words or you don't need as specific or on the nose words Mm -hmm. um so it's always a balance of like how it works on the page and how it works with the actors uh because sometimes it's just too much too much words too Too much much words words. (laughs) and the actors can do a lot more with a lot less they don't need as much and I love discovering that because you are like, oh, right, this is a person living and breathing this part. I don't need to overwrite it. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't need them saying each other's names back and forth 5,000 times. That's right, Megan. You don't need that. (laughs) See, Liza, you understand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, man. And that was the note I got on my, when I was working on my short film, actually from my director would keep being like, I mean, so I'm not perfect at it. He'd be like, why is, she doesn't need to say the other person's name here. Let's cut the names. And I was like, oh, I'm actually doing the name thing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because it, it kind of like, yeah, it looks good on the page. Like, that's right, Wanda. You said it, Tiffany. Okay, <laughs> Barbara. Well, you know, I guess when you're, Suck it, when you're Phil, reading you know? like a novel, you do have like Wanda said, Tiffany yep. said. Yep. So you do see it more often. So maybe you just get kind of used to like seeing it. And it's really a nice way to track the conversation as a reader without having to. And that's what I'm saying when like producers and other people that aren't affiliated with the final, you know, performance look at something, they may benefit from having it spoon fed to them in that way. That's so weird. What I had a- no idea that different people saw different scripts. I mean, different people see different sketches for costumes. So that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. There's definitely yeah. like you have a more polished looking, fully colored sketch for the, um, you know, the producers and the actors to look at. But for the costume shop, you might have a Xeroxed black and white copy with your own handwritten notes all over it and the designer's handwritten notes all over it to build from to actually mm-hmm. make the real thing yeah I I mean even I'm working on this one project and I was saying the same thing I was like I feel like it's really on the nose and the director I'm working with was like well we'll par it down for when it actually gets to the actors but for now I need you to like really hit these points in the script because I'm going to have somebody that we're trying to get to fund this read it and I want them to be beaten over the head with the story beats <laughs> and I'm just like oh that's not what I want but that yeah that happens you'll have like a producer's draft versus like the shooting script mm-hmm. um, which is also kind of the evolution of it as you work on something more you realize you can cut it down yeah because it's Here, I'm going to move your mic oh, back sorry. just a tiny bit okay just going to move your mic back. Now, listener, if you ever think um, Megan's mic sounds louder than Liza's mic, it's really just Megan is louder than Liza. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you're really getting like a true to life experience. With yeah. This. I'm kind of like a bulldozer. Was like a ballerina. <laughs> we work together. Yeah. Just we don't do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, well, bulldozers are very useful. They're kind of useful at like one thing. More useful than a ballerina. Well, I don't know. Ballerinas bring a certain nuance and joy. Bulldozers are kind of to just... any construction site. <laughs> Uh, should we talk about this movie a little bit? Yeah, more? man. Sorry, it's a total derail. <laughs> no, that's good. But all that to say, the name Sue Ellen. Is, oh, that's um, right. We were talking about Sue yeah, Ellen. is yeah. preferable to Swell, well, and yeah. nicknames in general are hard to pull off. I think. Okay, so Christina Applegate as Sue Ellen slash Swell, but we'll call her Sue Ellen because Swell is dumb. How old was she when this was filmed? She was eighteen. This is her first movie role. She had been on Married with Children, which is a you know, TV, she's of actually 18. Yet? Actually 18. She's playing 17. She's actually 18. Fuck. I thought yeah. she was like 22 or something. That's no. unbelievable. And so cute. Just super cute the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Like could be any time. Yeah. Certainly could be like all these, the bang looks and everything are totally back in. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> we have Joanna Cassidy as her boss, Rose Lindsay. Um, big shout out to right on top of that rose. I never get tired of hearing that phrase. <laughs> Do you hear that in real life? Well, uh, my boss likes to say it. Okay, um, that's cute. But people have, people have like referenced it off and on for years, right on top of that rose. I don't, really don't think I've ever heard anybody in oh real life say God, it. God, I love when people say it. It comes <laughs> out at the weirdest times. I'm like, do they even know where it came from or they just like the phrase? Okay, so she's Rose Lindsay, the, uh, the boss. Then you have John Getz. As Gus Brandon, who was Rose's philandering boyfriend slash yeah, he was so booty, gross. booty call. Yeah. God, that part did not age well. All the stuff at no. work. Holy shit. Oh, my God. It is, like, wild to think. I don't know. People, I'm sure people will look back at this time and be like, it was wild that blah, blah, blah happened. Yeah. But it is, like, truly wild, the level of um, yeah. hitting on that was happening. It was really fun to watch an old movie and just be like, whoa. Yeah. This was too recent for that to have been happening. Yeah. Um, and then you have Keith Coogan as Kenny Crandall, who is um, Sue Ellen's brother. Mm-hmm. And I just adore him because he's like our brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then Josh Charles as Brian, who I have to say, I don't know if you watched The Good Wife, but I have a special no. place. No, okay, okay. Yes, and my heart for adult Josh Charles. But he was very charming in this. Well, um, anybody who is my age will recognize him from Dead Poet Society. Oh, yes, of course. So it's just a cast of Dreamboats. Cast of Dreamboats. Yeah. Ethan Hawke. Oh, boy. He's not in this. Um, and then... <laughs> just a bummer. Just saying his name because he's fun. <laughs> uh, so Josh Charles is like the boyfriend, um, uh, love interest for uh, Sue Ellen. And he is just adorable. He's adorable. He's adorable. And yeah. I love that he is just like a great, well-drawn human being that yeah. likes her. And it's not weird, even though it's 80s or early 90s. Yeah. It's early 90s and he's not a dick and I just love it. Yeah. Oh, and I, you know what? I looked up the Grunion run. You know how they go on that date where they look to see the Grunion run? Yeah. That's a real thing. And the Grunion season is like six months out of the year here in California. You can go in the evening and there's even a website that you can go to that shows you like when the Grunion are most likely to be out there in the evening and you can look at them and real talk what are grunion it's the fish okay. so they have that day the ones that are flopping around on their feet on the ground yeah okay i spent the whole scene looking for turtles <laughs> no like, it's fish where are the turtles they swim up and they have like their whole mating dance and Got then it. they so go they're back flop- okay when they're flopping around at their feet i yeah. was like 
Um, You're like, what is these? What are these fish doing here? We're we're looking for turtles. Yes, and I also thought, are they are these fish dying? <laughs> you were like, this is the worst date ever. I was like, this movie is flawless. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> um, and then you have uh, uh, David Duchovny, who is a dick, and he is um, the work kind of villain who mm-hmm. like knows that Swellen got the job maybe under some weird pretenses and is working with. What's her name? Yeah, what's her name? Uh, Kimmy Robertson. No. No. Nope. Sorry, sorry. Kimmy. Um, Janie Brooke. Jane yeah. Brooke. Jane Brooke. Yeah, I thought that the storyline with, what's Jane Brooke's character's name in this? It's Carolyn? Carolyn. I thought Carolyn and David Duchovny's Bruce. character. I thought that whole storyline could have gone away. I was like the. Yeah. It, we don't need that on top of the fact that she's way out of her league and is struggling. Like she's going to be her own downfall in this. We don't need them to also be trying to take her down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, like, love them. I loved how, uh, like, just what a catty, bitchy, bitchy bitch she was. Oh, that was fun. the worst. Yeah. Delightful. I loved it. You know, David Duchovny is one of those people that I, I'm always, I'm like, oh, I still think he's sexy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can still see it. Um, so I don't know what that says about me, but and then we have Ida Reese. Well, she was the who cares about the babysitter? Oh yeah, but, she... but say um, the one who played Kathy. Oh, Kathy is Kimmy uh, Kimmy Robertson. Yes. So now you might remember her from Twin Peaks. She played Lucy, the receptionist in Twin Peaks. She has just that delightful baby doll voice. Yeah. So like whenever she pops up in a movie, like. You're just like, oh, it's Lucy. <laughs> we love her. <laughs> yeah, she was so good in this. And I remember even as a little girl watching this movie being like, oh, my God, thank God she's going to do the QR reports. Like, I don't know yes. what. Like, it's I so stressful. feel that stress of, like, having a school assignment that you and don't know how to do. And then she's just like, gee, yeah. I'm just a whiz at computer stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's also funny because nowadays, like, there's such an emphasis on not doing work that you're not hired to do. Like, there's a really mm-hmm. big push yes. to, like, not work overtime, not step out of your lane, like, not take on. And I'm like, oh, that was, like, a different work philosophy at that time. Um, just the idea that, like, oh, if somebody needs help, like, you go out of their way to help them. If you have any downtime, you get in there and you help because mm-hmm. we're all working on behalf of the company. Unless you're a bitchy receptionist who's trying to claw her way up into your own job, mm. and then you cut them off every time you can. Sabotage, sabotage, <laughs> sabotage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did think it was nice that there was somebody who was just genuinely nice in that office. Yeah. Well, I thought her boss was really nice. Her boss was nice, but she also seemed like she was just on drugs the entire time. Totally. She was so manic. Yeah, that's true. She was very intense. But she was nice. She was nice and, like, yeah, on the verge of having a full-blown, like, sexcapade with a real creepy guy. Yeah, that was, yep, too bad for her. Yeah, that's yeah. a bummer. <laughs> uh, who else have we got in there? I think that's pretty much it. Oh, okay, so I've got a really good extra one for you. Sydney Lassick. You remember when we were talking about Carrie? And we were kind of like, oh, and then there's somebody named Sydney Lassick, and we kind of stumbled over, like, who he was. It turned out he was the teacher in Carrie. Okay. He plays... Franklin, who is our head designer in the factory at General Apparel West. Wow. He's like, uh, looks a little different. Looks a little different. Okay. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody else in that cast list we really got to get into. Wow. This is really interesting. What? (laughs) (laughs) That they originally wanted it to be like risky business and it was written in 1987 and then shelved by 20th century for a while and they wanted something lighter and an actor like Winona Ryder and it's just interesting how films yeah, come to be. Yeah, how they start out and how they end up marine- meandering I mean, I think that marks. Christina Applegate is perfection in this. Like, perfection. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's just talk about imagine how else. flawless this movie is. 
<laughs> I mean, we can all agree that it is flawless, right? <laughs> no flaws. Because obviously from a sewing perspective, which is the point of this podcast, it is a hot mess. But and, oh my God, I love the, this movie. From the plot perspective, it's not a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's like what I say. I say this about a lot of movies that I love. It's, it's not trying to be anything that's not. It just, That's true. It is 100% just like a summer really fling. Really was not going for an Academy yeah, Award. It's a summer fling movie. It is like, we're out of school, shit's going wrong, like, gonna try to fix it. Yeah. A lot of, like, fun brother-sister stuff. Oh, Plot right. is easy and fairly predictable. I love it. Yeah. I, okay, so I had a horrifying moment, luckily, before I started watching it, where I realized that I had mashed this together in my mind with Adventures in Babysitting. And um, so I kept thinking, like, I was reading and doing research and being like, where's the part with Thor? And that is not in this movie. <laughs> that is Adventures in Babysitting, starring Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. Not, not Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. But easy to confuse. Yeah. And especially that one, this far out. I mean, how are there two movies with the word babysitting and Keith Coogan is in both of them? Oh, really? Within a decade. Like, they're... The other one was 87. This one's 1991. And there's car drama in both of them. And they both involve, like, trying to hide some shenanigans from the parents. Yeah. I mean, there's such a... It's such a marker in time because I was thinking about how um, this was during, like, it was so popular to be a teenager, like, getting away from, like, I mean, I guess, and I was thinking about this, I was like, I wonder if it's that way now we're just older and we're not, like, absorbing teenage content. Mm -hmm. But, like, this movie especially made me so excited to one day be a teenager. This is a big slumber party movie. Yes. And probably Adventures in Babysitting also. That's probably why I yes. mashed them together. But, like, yeah, this was... I mean, I don't think I ever saw this at home. I think it was at slumber parties. Yeah. I was also really... I mean, I don't know if this comes up at some other point, but did you notice what a fucking mess the place was? Oh, my God. Seriously, I was like, is mom never coming back like only i feel like fairly recently has cleanliness been something that's like marketed as some as appealing in terms of like feng shui and Kondo, like all these things <laughs> like i feel like when we were younger it was a lot more acceptable for things to be kind of a mess do you know marie kondo gave up i did i saw that she had kids and gave up yeah. just like clearly this woman this is woman. like i have five kids peace out did you catch the line that she's 37? 37. No, I was going to say it first. <laughs> I was like, shut the front door. She was like, I'm 37. I need a break. And I was like, yeah, what? Horrible. <gasps> also, she did not look 37. No, she looked 50. God bless the ladies in the aging process. But it, Jesus. It was kind of like, oh, you have actually had a hard 37 years in that case. <laughs> yeah, if you've had five kids and one of them is eight. I mean, she got started young and she's tired. Oh, I didn't even do the math on that. Let's just not. <laughs> Okay, this whole thing with leaving with the babysitter is weird. weird. Never heard of anyone hiring a babysitter to stay in house. Weird. I think what it would be is you would take the youngest one with you to Australia. The next two oldest would go to relatives. And the two top age kids would be able to stay at home alone. Yeah. That's yeah. what they do now. Or you send one to summer camp. And it's like Aunt Louise is going to be your contact person because I'm in Australia. Right. And I'm yeah. out of it. <laughs> or you take them all to Australia because you're a helicopter parent and you would never leave five children right. in any state of aloneness for two months. Can you imagine how or much fun that would be? You just wait until yeah. they're all gone, old enough. And yeah. then you go to Australia for as long as you want. Yeah. Also, um, she just as an aside before she leaves is like, oh, hey, sign up for college. 
Oh, I know. I was thinking about it when I saw that because with the other one where you were like, I was stressed out because nobody. What was the other one we were doing? Where uh, it was like pretty in pink. I mean, she did at least have a plan. She's going to do the fashion program at community college. Yeah. Which like good. She had way more of a plan than poor old Andy in Pretty in Pink. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> yeah. And quite a bit more confidence, too. Yeah. Did you do, like, a logline, elevator pitch, summary? Oh, I, I wrote a few, and I was like, oh my god, should I fire myself? <laughs> um, oh, I have a bunch of notes here. Look at me going. Uh, what? God, I can't read my own handwriting. When her mother leaves and her babysitter dies, a teenage girl is forced to take on the role of both in order to get her five siblings through the summer. Could I read it any slower? Um, <laughs> and then a teenage girl was something her mother until crush forced her to not the role. Megan, why can't you read your own handwriting? When her babysitter croaks, the teenage girl is thrust into the role of parent breadwinner with surprising results i like that one that's good <laughs> oh i have always had this problem the more i type the less i can write i can't read anything that oh, I write. That's super awful funny. it's like my hands can't like look at these they're like claws but they're then like, your eyes can't decipher the, the claw writing yeah i mean who could read this not me but i didn't write it was <laughs> a i did write it not me either when her mother i can read sometimes mine that i came up with was fashion anyone can do it <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole plot. That's the whole plot. The whole plot. And then I everything's like fun. misty except for the that's it. Random co- uh, costumes. And then my other one was um, step one: forge resume. Step three: profit. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is step two. Um, yeah, but I did want to talk about like her forging the resume. Did you catch that? Like, there's that really funny moment where Rose, the boss, is like, "Well, of course I'll hire you. You're a Vassar gal." And then Christina Applegate looks surprised, like, oh, shit, did I copy that, too? Yeah, yeah, I totally <laughs> caught that. So I looked up what it means to be a Vassar girl. I also looked up Vassar's uh, admissions programs, and they do not have a fashion major, obviously. Yeah. Because they're a liberal arts college. And they also don't have business or merchandising, so they really have nothing related. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the closest they have is art. So Vassar is uh, one of the seven sisters, which are like, uh, they all began as all female schools and they're in um, New England. And so what it means to say you're a Vassar girl is I'm a fancy East Coast kind of person. Yeah, totally. And in Some Like It Hot, Marilyn Monroe also claims to be a Vassar girl. She's clearly not. But it's a thing where you can be like, oh, I'm a Vassar girl. And yeah. And they know something about you. So it's a thing that people lie about, which I think is funny. <laughs> I even not know, I mean, I knew about the Seven Sisters and like, I know some of those schools, but even not knowing exactly what Vassar Girl meant, you get such an idea of like, yeah, you, what you it know, is. even yeah. if you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's set up the world of this movie. So the time, it's present day for them, it's the early 90s, late 80s, and it is in Los Angeles. Um, and so I looked up a bunch of the locations, but it, the only thing that they say where they are is the boonies. And I thought it was really funny that the house that they live in looks nothing like Los Angeles. It is in Santa Clarita. Okay. But, I mean, they might have as well filmed that in, like, Utah or Totally. I was like, where are they? But then I figured it was, like, some outward suburb. Yeah, Santa Clarita is perfect, actually. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like Los Angeles as we think of Los Angeles. But I know people that live there, and they just commute 30 minutes away or so. But, yeah, I wanted to mention the um, the 30-mile zone, which is the TMZ. Um, TMZ stands for 30 mile zone. It's also called the studio zone. Wait, is that what the, the tabloid TMZ stands yeah. for? 
Well, they you use the name TMZ, but what it really stands for is 30 Mile Zone. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. The 30 Mile Zone is a, a 30 mile radius starting from La Cienega and um, Beverly. Uh-huh. And so the circle that is created by that 30 mile radius. Amazing. That is the 30 mile zone. And the idea with it is that if you leave the 30 mile zone to film, you have to pay overnight for your cast and crew that you have to get them a hotel. Within that 30 mile zone, it's considered a day trip. They can go to film locations and come back home at night. Amazing. So the 30 mile zone or studio zone, that's what that is. That's like Santa Clarita is within the TMZ. So is Sunland, um, which is used Tahunga, in this movie. probably. Maybe parts, yeah. And yeah. Um, Santa Monica, for sure. Like, it includes sure. the beach. Yeah. It includes Santa Clarita. It includes um, all the studios. And this is just, like, a major budgetary consideration when you're yeah. filming, of course. That's if you're out of the so TMZ, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, that's much more expensive. Your location has to be really worth it. Yeah. I like how it sounds like kind of a military Yeah, it term. sounds like the DMZ. Yeah. <laughs> this is the T. The TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That's what it is. The demilitarized zone. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's wow. Yeah. I so that. It, I mean, it is kind of weird that they make a point of it being Los Angeles. And yet, I guess they needed to have a large backyard. And people yeah. in Los Angeles don't really have those. Yeah. Yeah. People have like hilly kind of. So it's somewhere in Los Angeles. I guess we might as well just say it's Santa Clarita. You could drive from Santa Clarita to a job downtown. It'd be totally. awful, but you could do you it. You could do it. Probably then you could have done it a little bit faster. Remember yeah. Clueless when he says everything takes 20 minutes in Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I did want to point out that part of the reason why I'm a, why I'm really interested always in figuring out where places are, especially in Los Angeles, is it's like Dorothy Parker said, Los Angeles is 72 suburbs in search of a city. Yes. And each part is really specific. Like It's got a really specific flavor. So it is always really interesting to be like, okay, yeah, then maybe they filmed this in um, Van Nuys, but they're calling it Silver Lake. Yes. So, like, what does that mean about right. and, Silver Lake. and Silver Lake? Yeah, and like like you said in Clueless, like, like it's a big deal that he has to go pick up Cher in the Valley. And I remember watching that as a teenager and being like, I understand. They're, that's in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. And then you get in here and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to make that drive either. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's in Sunland, too. Oh, is she in Sunland? Well, she's that? supposed to be in Sunland, but we know she's in North Hollywood because she's at Circus Slicker. That's right. But yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I thought about that too, like with Brooklyn and um, the way that Brooklyn used to be portrayed. It's like so far. And now, of course, everybody lives there and it's nearby. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. we don't leave the island of Manhattan. And right, now it's right. like, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the, like the level of realness of this movie because we're in a real place in real time. But uh, this is a world where a teenager can just smoke in front of their mom, and the mom is just, like, fine with it. P.S. I'm leaving you alone for two months with an old lady who we've never met before. Yep, yep. So it's just, like, the regular 80s. But also, it's, um, like, is there a writer term for, like, a movie magic reality, fantasy reality, where, like, you know, if you get up and sing a song on stage, the audience is with you? And, like, if you get up and make a heartfelt toast, the audience is with you. I mean, and it's like, just suspension of disbelief, I guess. I don't know if you it's can, a role. You can, uh, you can do an impossible task, like set up an entire fashion show in your backyard, and it works. Yeah. Is that, we just want to call that, like, suspension of disbelief? Yeah, I mean, it's like... it's not realistic. No, it's not realistic, but it works in the world of the, the, that you've created. Like, so far, so many things have gone 
against the grain of realism. Even her getting that job was ridiculous. And mm-hmm. so it's just kind of like, this is the world we've created where these things We're just happen. setting up a ridiculous world. Yeah. You know, I got to say, though, this this whole concept, like, I, I was, I realized uh, when I started watching the audition tapes for American Idol and for So You Think You Can Dance, you remember they used to have, like, an episode that was all just auditions? And, like, you could see people get up and just think to themselves, I can do this. And then just just not be able to because they're not trained. Yeah. But they, they had this, uh, you know, b- really firm belief because we have been taught it by movies our entire lives. Yes. That, you know, it's kind of like if your heart is pure, you can just... Accomplish anything. Belt it out and, like, the voice you hear in your head is the voice that will be heard by everyone. You can do a good job at it or... Totally. You know. And there's a montage section of every movie in which it's very easy <laughs> to go from point A to point B and become an expert. Yeah. And, um, I mean... I think that people a little bit believe this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that same concept of, like, people believe way more in talent than they do in hard work. And how, like, if you just, like, are kind of good at something, you should just be able to kind of take it from there. And the reality is that, like, it's like, rather you are good at something or not, you still have to, like, work really hard and make yourself do it. And uh, and still might fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't believe I'm going to reference um, Dawson's Creek again. Are you that? <laughs> Get it, girl. Wait, did you reference him before? Uh, in another episode. Oh, I've already forgotten. But there's... It's very um... natural to me. Oh, wait, Joey. Yeah, we were talking yeah. about... Yeah, so you remember um, there, there was a, a later terrible episode as the show got later and later and more terrible where it was like a biker bar practically and she went on stage and sang with a band and it's, it was that movie moment of the biker audience is, like, throwing bottles, and then she starts singing, and they're, like, with her. Like, an mm. audience is just suddenly with you. And you know audiences in real life hate you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's, like, an actual fantasy of mine, so. <laughs> but you know it's a fantasy. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable when when, I've, when that happens in movies, when people get up and sing, and then people suddenly turn around. And just and turns, like, yeah. Yeah, and, and everybody's like, oh, with them. Live it. It's like, please, no, you guys good. You gotta earn it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, funny note, her salary is $37,000 a year, which if we look, if we put that through the inflation calculator, that's $84,000 now. Damn. I looked up what is the average salary now for an executive assistant in Los Angeles. It's $73,000. So General Apparel West was actually paying pretty well. Yeah. $37,000 is still a salary for a lot of people. I mean, I was yeah. listening to that and I was like, oh, that's like not that I, low. I think that like they ch- should be, but it's the, not. Like it was just supposed to be like an astronomical sum for yeah. a 17 year old to be like totally receiving. Um, yes. I liked that they said how much she was making too, because it's so hard to know how numbers translate over time. And like when people talk about money, like unless you get a dollar amount, you just have no idea. How much? <laughs> how do you know? Give us numbers. <laughs> Where, what city do they live in? Where do we compare to what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 37K in 1991 in Los Angeles as a 17-year-old would be impressive. Yeah. I got so anxious when they were stealing money on petty cash. I'm sorry. Me too. I was like, oh my God, that's not your money. Put that back. I know. It made me so anxious. I found it a really dumb plot that the two people who were trying to uh, prove that she was a fraud found her purse in the office at night. Yes, and her license? Yeah. Was that was like, so dumb. Like, leave this out and just have them find the cash box, because it makes no sense that she would have gone home without her purse. Yes, and without her driver's license. Also, it's unnecessary. Yeah. But I was so pleased when um, she had receipts. I yeah. like, oh, everything's lining up. <laughs> yeah, but then they found her She's actual... actually kind of good at this job. Yeah. 
Except not really, because she's not doing it at all. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read you from the script what things are in this fashion show, and then we'll talk about could she actually have have, have made this happen. Okay. All right, so I just found this online. It's this really one was kind of hard, right? Because there's a lot of stuff in this. I was like watching, I was like, this is, why is gonna have to really bring it for this one? Okay, so Sue Ellen says, ladies and gentlemen, General Peril West proudly presents the teenage fashion wave of the future. Tess, Marcy, and Donna are wearing bellhop uniforms in fuchsia, purple, and teal hand airbrush slub silk with matching caps. The epaulets and cuff detailing are antique gold lace. The jackets in varying lengths are matched with either sporty black trousers or sleek mini skirts. So that's look one. Oh, and then she says, uh, as you can see, the basic General Apparel West uniform has been modified and accessorized to create a fun and sexy look for the teenage girl. We don't we don't call teenage girls sexy anymore during fashion shows, I don't think. <laughs> That's a little bit of a yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just stick with fun. <laughs> totally. Okay, so then Nicole is wearing a form-fitting nurse's uniform with mini hemline, sure to speed up any boy's pulse. The black diamonds on Nicole's cap and dress are hand airbrushed on fuchsia spandex. Her pink high-top sneakers are laced up her tangerine tights. Mm. And you know she says something about stethoscope necklace. So that's look two is the nurse. And then Jill, a referee, is wearing an oversized silk jersey in bold black and turquoise stripes, black tights, and high top sneakers. We sort of barely see this one. She's like, she twirls around. Yeah. And then there's some more dialogue. And then Katrina, our chef, is really cooking in her scarf. And she's whipping up excitement in her boots. <laughs> so Katrina is wearing um, a lime green chef's hat with diamonds on it. Yeah. And a lime green chef's jacket, lime green pants, and then lime green boots. So that's like that look. And then our last model is Becky. Becky is our Boy Scout, and she's wearing a Boy Scout's uniform. Thank you, Becky. So Becky has to <laughs> run off stage. Yeah. <laughs> Becky gets no Katrina time doesn't it. get very much time either, because that's when she starts to hit the van when he comes yeah. in with his yeah. thing. It's like, oh, shit, Katrina. Yeah. So we have, we have th- those main looks. My confusion was... Are those supposed to be for kids to wear, or is she just designing all kinds of uniforms that they could sell? Because it was interesting that she was having high school students modeling them. Oh, yeah. I think she was just having her cute friends do it because they were free. And the costumes themselves were, like, kind of cute and sexy. Well, I don't... (laughs) They don't have to be worn Like I said, Liza, flawless. (laughs) The movie is flawless. No issues in this movie. Um, I looked up um, how quickly can a factory turn around samples. Because what we're dealing with here is we have um, Swell. Sue Ellen is a executive assistant to the vice something at this at this uniform factory. The factory is uh, failing, and so she's come up with this new line of supposedly like fun, exciting teen fashions in uniform that are gonna turn this you know sinking ship around or whatever you say with ships. <laughs> No, yeah, get that sinking ship to shore. To to float back up to the surface. (laughs) Get that sinking ship abducted by pirates. We're going toward an iceberg, but we're going to turn left. Yeah, iceberg's not right ahead, it's right behind us. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, she has met Franklin, the pattern maker. No, Franklin is the designer. She also met the pattern maker. We see a lot of B-roll in the factory. The factory seems to make, um, we see a lot of, like, acid wash jeans. And we see factory workers doing piecework. Like, each one has their own little station. We see a lot of kind of great uh, factory B-roll. And I tried to look up, like, what factory did they use? Or I did look up what factory did they use. And I couldn't find it. Mm. But downtown Los Angeles does have a long 
apparel manufacturing history. Uh, so, so would it be hard to find something? Yeah, yeah. Like they probably were able to just film in a real uh, factory. So I've never worked in a factory or been in a clothing factory. Um, so I can't say if any of that stuff looked real or not. But um, in the costume shop, we do oftentimes sew things factory style, or we do, we, we call it factory style or batch sewing. And it'll make a large order go quickly, but it's not great for one-offs, which is what all these little samples in this fashion show were. They were just one of a kind, just a yeah. one-off. So it'd be like if I was making um, seven jumpsuits, I would cut them all out. And instead of bundling each suit separately to be worked on one by one, I would bundle all the pockets together and give them to a stitcher. And mm-hmm. then I might bundle all the pants together and give them to a stitcher. And if the sleeves had a cuff detail, I would bundle the cuffs and sleeves and give them to another person. Because when you're doing the exact same thing in a row, you can kind of do it faster. Right. And then it's not until the end that it all comes together. Do all the pieces come back to you and you do it? Or there's a person that puts it all together? It kind of depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, but it does create a situation where for a while there's nothing and then suddenly they're all finished. Yeah. And sometimes you'll even create a construction sample so that, like, say you have seven, you move forward with one so that it's completely finished, and then all the stitchers can refer to that one. Yeah. If they have any questions about, like, does it have top stitching? Right. Yes. I can see it here on the sample. That's your template. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that would not have helped Sue Ellen at all. <laughs> <laughs> not, not much good. But... It's something that's real. <laughs> that's a, a true a true thing that has happened in the real world, not in this world. Yes. Like, there was one uniform that I really liked that was, like, a ruffled pinafore. Mm-hmm. Sort of, like, apron-style dress with, like, ruffled shoulder, shoulder straps. And yeah. then it had a undershirt, maybe, like, a blousey-type thing. I feel yeah. like I saw a lot of blazers and stuff, too. Certainly nothing fashionable. But also, most importantly, nothing made of slub silk. And nothing made of lycra. <laughs> dun, dun, so, dun. so what we're, what the problem is here is she's got what she's basically doing is making custom samples, and then if the buyers like it, then with using the sample and the pattern that they developed, the factory can then produce them. Right. So the fashion show is to present these samples to buyers. He looked up how long does it usually take to turn around samples, and it's um like four to six weeks. Yeah. Now. And things are definitely, there's a lot faster turnaround. I think four to six weeks is actually a little slow for now. I think like, like Zara probably turns around in four to six days. Days. Yeah. Is it Zara or Zara? I don't know. (laughs) I don't speak to her. (laughs) She's dead to me. (laughs) Which dead to me is also a show Christina Applegate's on. So look at that. That's a fun show. Uh, I know, I'm going to catch up on it. Yeah, so um, while I was watching this, I was really looking out for, like, do they have these fabrics already in-house? Silk Slub, spandex, uh, that satin that, like, the lime stuff is made out of. Yeah. Do they make leggings? Because a lot of the girls seem to be wearing leggings. Mm-hmm. Do tights they, and stuff, yeah. Do they manufacture tights? Do they manufacture shoes? Because the fashion show has a lot of custom shoes, like the lime green shoes that match with the chef's outfit. Do they make hats? But I was, so I was looking out for all of those and um, I did not see any evidence of that, which means that these are all custom fabrics with custom fabric treatments on them. She mentions airbrushing twice. Yeah. Which I thought was really weird. Yeah. She, she calls it airbrushing twice. I noticed that too. I was like, is this just a word that like the writer put in because it sounded like a word? Do you think that's what it is? Like when you're making fashion choices in your writing, do you just sort of 
say words that sound like fashion words. Yes. And if you're writing about medicine, you say words that sound like medical words. If you're writing about science, you say words that sound like science words. And it's, that's where it's like, are you going to research this? You're just going to wing it. Or and like a little bit of both. Who tells you if you have to research it or wing it? I mean, hopefully. No one ever. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully someone is like, figure this out. Make sure it's accurate. But maybe not. But you see this in all fields. I mean, doctors can't even watch procedural medical shows because they're just like, this is bullshit. And a lot of times they have people on staff that are like a medical writer or like somebody to help make sure it makes sense and it's fairly accurate but Mm -hmm. you know the plot always wins and if it works for the plot they will bend whatever they can it's bad (laughs) writing but it happens all the time oh man I was really hoping that it would be like that she would have seen someone in in an earlier part of the movie doing a cool airbrush on a wall Mm -hmm. and that it would be like a flash dance thing where the fashion show is culminating all of her experiences of yes. the summer. Yes. Uh, but it wasn't. It was just like a random word they used. Yeah. Um, and we definitely can tell that the uh, fabric was airbrushed, not the finished garment, because you can see um, the stripes going into the seam. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like we have to get this custom color. Uh, and it is silk slub. That's that's correct terminology. You say when you say slub, I hear schlub. So what is slub? So it's like, um, you know, silk is a natural fiber. Okay. So sometimes the um, silk thread is a little fat. And so as it's woven, it might make like a little fat lump in the fabric. And it looks very natural. It gives it kind of a, a interesting, like a little bit of a bumpy texture. I don't think I have any. You think that's where the word schlub comes from? Because it no. sounds like, it Cause... sounds like if you were to describe a schlubby person, it'd be like kind of. Kind of bumpy, sort of like. Well, silk schlub is fancy. It's and, fancy, okay. And nice, and we like it, and we don't like schlubs. We like. Sh- <laughs> well, <laughs> comment withdrawn. <laughs> okay, it's just yeah, like what a dumpy word for something that's fancy. It is silk schlub. It's like raw silk has a, a slubby texture. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. Where it's sort of like it's like a it's like almost the imperfection yeah. makes it. Okay, so this one has, see, like, these little lumps. Interesting. All right. Schlub and slub, not the same thing. It's um, it's kind of like, it's nice because silk is a natural fiber made by a living creature. And so it's got some variety in it. And that's just it. Awesome. Yeah. So the, for the jackets, um, that is a custom, they, they have to have, they have to source that color in that fabric, and then they have to treat it with the stripes. They have to airbrush the stripes. Then they cut it. Then they construct it. We do see her having a lot of meetings and doing sketches. So she is, like, really making this fashion line happen. But I think that one thing that she really benefits from is that the factory already makes jackets. So she can say, for these three bellhop looks, one jacket is long, one jacket is waist length, and one jacket is cropped. Yeah. We're going to keep we're gonna keep our original pattern that we already have manufacturing, we've already tested, and um, customize the shape a little bit for this whole fashion show. Yeah, yeah. And, like, let's assume that they already make pillbox hats. She's got to get them made up in these custom colors. But that that's not too bad. Yeah. The Lycra one is really weird. Well, they call it a spandex dress. It looks like Lycra to me. Spandex is really a heavy, heavy fabric. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen, like... Oh, I'm wearing it like right now. Like, worse than a girdle. <laughs> I try to wear spandex every time I leave the house. But Lycra is, like, leggings. Yeah, it's very thin. It's and, nice. And kind of... Feels yeah. comfortable. Yeah. It doesn't squash you. It it just is nice. It kind of smooths it out. Yeah. Let's that body ride. Yeah. Um, so, like, if it's printed if it's printed Lycra, they have to source the Lycra. They might get just get it printed. I mean, 
quote airbrushed. They might just get it printed at a, you know, another shop downtown that does that, and then their factory creates it. So airbrushing, do you think that part, it's like literally someone standing there with an airbrush, or is that just like a term? I mean, I guess back to what we were saying before, is that like a term that they're just kind of making up? Are they... I think it's really nonsensical. Can this... you, does it make any sense to say What you like... would do is print the fabric. You right. You wouldn't airbrush it, especially because airbrushing doesn't make a clean edge because it's And it makes blowing... everything hard. Yeah. It doesn't make it um, malleable in any it would way. Be, you would have to stencil out the stripes and then airbrush and then peel away your stencil to okay. get a stripe. So it is literally just like a word that the writer or director or somebody made up and put yeah. in to make it sound like she knows fashion stuff and she doesn't yeah. know anything. I think they were like... Uh, airbrush it's the 80s good. and airbrushing yeah. is cool. Yeah. Let's say airbrush twice. <laughs> yeah. That's really how it translated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, okay, so the other garments are, are basically a satin. The chef's outfit, which is the lime green thing. The um, turquoise and black striped referee thing. And the um, Boy Scout look. Like, those are basically satin, you know... The base fabric is a satin. Okay. We don't see that anywhere else in the factory. Nope. But she's been having lots of meetings, so I guess they sourced some fabric, brought it in for these samples. We have to Well, know. I hope they didn't get it from Mood Fabrics because they would have run out. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it was white and beautiful and, and made silk of silk shirt. and bridal. Silk charmeuse. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Big love to Mood Fabrics. Okay. So, okay, let's look at, let's break this down. The factory okay. order, custom made. We need, we've got the three jackets. We've got the one spandex dress. We've got two oversized shirts. We've got one chef's jacket, one matching chef's pants, one mini skirt in black. We've got accessories, which are the three pillbox hats, the nurse hat, and the chef's hat. Now, existing factory items that we can just use from the factory stock. Two pairs of black pants, two pairs of black leggings. Purchased for the fashion show, they've got tights, they've got shoes, like they reference Converse. We see mm -hmm, the Converse mm -hmm. with long laces. These custom-made line boots for the chef. Where do those happen? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, various sashes and scarves, the Boy Scout hat, and then a lot of accessories like the uh, referee's whistle, the nurse's clipboard. The nurse has that random quill pin. <laughs> I know. Whoever was on props had their yeah. work cut out for them. Man. So, so that was probably like they sent out a, a buyer one day. With a list. Yeah. Go, you know, go to all these various districts downtown, buy a bunch of this random stuff. Didn't they also have uh, the jackets? The bellhop jackets? Well, yeah, of, the, of things they could have had at the factory. Could they have also had? Well, they would have had to custom make those okay. from the ground up because they don't have those fabrics in-house. Got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So all of this stuff, she has her idea about the fashion show probably four weeks in of the two-month time period she's got before mom comes back home from Australia. Yeah. So she's got about four weeks. So it's impossible. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Just a big fat no on this. <laughs> um, however, in reality, it's a big fat no. In this world, though, not only has she done this, but for this fashion show, they have rented chairs. They have bought a giant chunk of ice, and one of the stoner friends has made a beautiful ice sculpture. They have hung lights in the trees. They have managed to source from somebody a six CD changer, a soundboard, and microphone, and generally the whole sound system. And someone to operate it. One of the kids <laughs> operates it. But yes, yeah. somebody had to set that up and load it in. They have rented tables for the food. They have bought the supplies for the food. Kenny has made the food. The uh, waitstaff clothing, is that just stuff from the factory? It seems to be a white shirt and black pants. And it seems like everyone owns a white shirt and black pants. But I can tell you as a parent, 
no, they don't. <laughs> Every now and then I get told the day before that my kid needs to wear a white shirt and black pants for some event. And I'm just like, we don't own those. You're like, of all the things that I have, I literally make clothes. Yeah. Not that. <laughs> Do you want a pair of pants with kitty cats on it? Yeah, I, I can say. go. Yeah, we have that. <laughs> Multiple kitty cat choices. Oh, man. Um, okay, so... Some of the wait staff is the kids in the softball team. They're all wearing their little softball or baseball uniforms. Great. You know, that was not a problem. However, yeah. they've not only have they cleaned the pool, which was horrendous. And that's another note on mom. Like you left five children alone for two months in a house with a, with a non-existent pool in the backyard. Yes. Just a big hole. The pool was mud. like really weird. And cr- also an empty pool totally creeps me out. Like, oh yeah. You can just like just break your it. neck just falling in an empty pool. Yeah. And the... Amount of work alone it would take to to clean, clean and that. fill a pool. Yeah, that would so be make it beautiful. Weeks, yeah. Get make sure the lights are working. So not only is the pool all fixed up, they've custom made a bridge to go over it that is the runway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've loaded in the bridge. They've made the bridge safe and secured on each end of the bridge. <laughs> yeah, no, there's so many, they so also, much suspension. They also have a spotlight. Flawless, like I said. Do they have a generator <laughs> to Do, power all of these things? We don't no, see it. No, we don't see it. Yeah. The stoners do valet and parking, so that they, they've handled the parking situation, and we do see that. That's kind of an amazing detail. Yes, well, that's Los Angeles for you. You have to know where the cars are going. <laughs> they also have, they have a podium, which Sue Ellen speaks from. They have somehow rented a theater curtain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and had it installed and taught somebody how to open it correctly, because, like, those things are really heavy and big. Yep. <laughs> they have a violin quartet that they have hired. Yeah, I mean, this is like, it's like, it's like wedding level. Yes, they have alcohol, which somebody had to bring in. And pay for. And yeah. none of these kids are over 21, right? Yep. So somebody did that. They have also rented wine glasses. And then since Sue Ellen's friends are the ones modeling, they didn't have to cast models. So that's at least a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a world where um, teenagers did all of this. So yeah, this is also a world where a factory that already makes clothes could easily make some clothes. <laughs> so what you're saying is kind of what i've been saying since the beginning this movie is flawless flawless (laughs) there are no holes in this plot no plot holes or logic okay so that's that's could they um okay so i have some related questions though about uniforms in general okay all right megan have you ever circled job listings in a paper want ads nope okay i have because you're old because i'm old (laughs) 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 <laughs> and hard and extremely hardworking from um, a young age. But uh, even when I was doing it, it was partly because I wanted to find a job and partly... Because part it looked of, cool. Part of, yeah, part of me was seriously thinking, this is a movie thing. Yes, every movie, if you're serious about anything, you're circling you're in circling the paper. Yeah. yeah, so like even though I was truly doing it, I also thought... I'm doing a cool movie thing. Were you like lying on your side in bed? No, I took... Like... I went to a coffee shop with a paper and spread <gasps> it out. Like I was full in. Oh my God. And I had a, a pen. I thought someone was filming you. Well, why would they need to? It's in every other movie. You were in a movie. <laughs> okay, so have you ever worn a uniform for a job? Um, only a bikini. <laughs> I mean, you have had a job where a bathing suit was your uniform, right? Uh, yes, only a bathing suit. What else? Oh, well, no. When I worked at the vet, I had a I had a uniform. Oh, did you have like a it was like a jacket? Yeah, like a I had, smock or I had scrubs. Scrubs. And okay, then when yeah. I worked in production, I'd have to wear black all the time. Yeah. Um, Although that's not really a uniform because you're supposed to bring your own clothing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, just the scrubs were provided to me and the bathing suit. Yeah. One of the places where I was a lifeguard, they gave us shorts 
and that was the uniform. We just wore our own bathing suit, but we had red shorts. But then the other place had a navy blue uh, bathing suit, a one piece that said guard on the side. Is that the one that you had? Mine was two piece. Really? You had a, you were assigned a two piece? I think I had an option and I went two piece. Okay, good. Because um, that would be it, a and it real said assumption. It's a lifeguard right here. And it was green. <laughs> Across the chest? Yes. That's super cute. So the job that I circled in the newspaper was a waitressing job at IHOP. Mm. And for that, I had to wear an apron. And we were also required to wear our own white shirt. And it was supposed to be a button-up shirt. And our own black pants. And I just... Like, now when I think about it, I'm kind of outraged that they they only gave us one apron. So every night, I would wash it in my bathtub and hang it up to dry because it would be gross after a day of waitressing at at an IHOP, a breakfast place. Yeah. Um, IHOP is International House of Pancakes, if you don't know. Everybody knows. (laughs) I also love the story that you've told me for, like, 20 years ago or whatever, which was how you knew the pancakes were ready. You had to put your hand on the top. Oh, my gosh, yes. They would teach us... Like, I was literally taught to reach out, pat the pancakes with my hands. Yeah. And see if they're warm. And And if they weren't warm, I needed to move them closer under the heat lamp and then take them out to the customer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but I got in trouble once at IHOP because I was wearing black pants that had white stitching, like a white stitching detail down the outseam. And I got in trouble because it wasn't just all black pants, which I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. If you're going to require me to wear something... And you're not providing it to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't get to yell at me about yeah being also uh, I look incorrect. Better, I look better than you, so <laughs> I tell you that right now. But also, like, I was just remembering how how stupid I was about waitressing. Like, I didn't know that the reason the evening shift got paid more was because they were going to earn less tips. So of course I was like, oh, I want the evening shift. It pays more. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Just the base pay was higher because they knew that you would have fewer people coming in to mm-hmm. tip you yeah yeah this is just super dumb and I was only there for a little bit before school and then I quit and um I don't know burned my apron <laughs> let me see if I have any more about um uniforms and things oh yes okay so I looked up now we live in Los Angeles and you see a lot of um trucks driving around that say like laundry services yeah yeah so I looked up those laundry services I think this is really cool. If you work for a place where you're supposed to wear something, like when you were working the vet and you had scrubs. So this, these companies provide 11 uniforms that are yours. And they come to your work every week and pick up the five that are dirty from the previous week and drop off five clean ones. And you are wearing one. So you have 11, <laughs> which I think is brilliant. Yeah. Like somebody had to figure that out, that it can't be 10. Because one is on your body. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. All right. So, Good for them. So could she sew it? No. Except, yes, I guess, according to the rules of this movie, fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She could. Well, not her personally, but she could get it happening. Yeah. All right. And uh, would the factory sew this line of uh, cool teen fashion uniforms? What do you think? I mean, technically, if. If they could, they would. Then they can. <laughs> they could in this scenario. So yeah, they would. I'm sure. What's his name? Milton Franklin. Franklin would uh, accommodate whatever. Yeah. I like that she's friendly with Franklin. Yeah. Uh, like they have a scene where she's kind of comforting him. Yeah, because he thinks he's gonna lose his job. Yeah. I also like that. Like the head designer is kind of a dud and not. Like, when you think of designers, you think of like. You know. Yeah, I mean that makes sense though. He's he's the designer for a factory. Like he's not a high fashion designer. Yeah. Until she comes along. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think that they would because, um, sure, why not? But also with like, would they sew it? Like they like her. She has established a personal relationship with all the people in the factory. Yes. Um, The design people, the patterning people, the one person who knows how to use the computer and the fax machine. (laughs) I'm great with computers. It's such a 90s thing to say. Yeah. People don't really say that, do they? Nobody has to anymore. If somebody said, I'm great with the computer, would it make you question whether they were or not? Would you be like, oh. Yeah. You probably actually suck. Or they wouldn't say that, though. They'd be like, oh, I'm a... I'm a software engineer, or I'm a, um, I can, uh... Yeah, nobody's a whiz at computers. I've written some spyware that's gonna spy, that's gonna take all your data. <laughs> like, that's how you know they're good at computers. <laughs> You've been hacked by me. <laughs> all right, and should they sew it? Um, yes, because, uh, it's their last desperate bid to stay solvent. Yes. They yeah. all want to keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. They, uh, might as well. They don't, if, like, if it, is it dumb? We don't care. We got to try it. <laughs> Wait, so what was the reason? Oh, because no high schoolers want uniforms. What was the thing that she came in freaking out about? Oh, they were all going to go under. So she kept on losing clients. Yeah. And actually, one of the clients that she was losing, losing, she was saying on the phone to them, we had to lower the quality of the fabric because profit margins are down. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Which is funny because then this fashion show involves slub silk. I guess they are like, well, wait, what if we improve the quality of the fabric? Then would you like to buy some uniforms? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she had a couple clients call and cancel during cancel their contracts during the course of this film, and one of them was definitely a school uniform contract. They really only talk about school uniforms, but all that we see are um, like professional uniforms. Yeah, like the the pinafore thing. That's probably housekeeping. Yeah. And um, we see some coveralls, mm-hmm. and then we see a bunch of acid watch denim. Which again, I'm like. Whose uniform who's is that? Who's that for? <laughs> is that for me? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, they really specify that they're a, f- a factory that makes uniforms. And the acid, acid wash definitely seems like it's just a factory that makes fashion clothing. So I don't know what that... Yeah. That, that might be just be like... I'm. You know what? I'm going to go with they have a contract with a really cool bar. Mm. And the bartenders wear acid wash denim. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. Oh my gosh. Um, All of the things we see in the fashion show should have three variations on a theme like the bellhop does yeah if there was a nurse in this weird mini dress and then a nurse wearing scrubs that were cute and then another nurse wearing like a lab coat yeah we need variations on themes we need the chef to be uh, a chef and then a chef with a with a long half apron and then a chef with i don't know a short short shorts and the chef's jacket I also would have really we liked... We need variations on the theme because that's how uniforms yeah. really are yeah yeah i would have liked to see like an actual like high school uniform and yeah since they talked about school uniforms so much that would have been a they fun should have showed a school uniform yeah because that would have kind of tied it together more and that and honestly it was kind of confusing to me are we seeing a high school uniform at any point like i felt like We're i was not. waiting for that yeah and it, um that is a weird thing they just never connect right yeah. well, we've established this plot has no problems so this is not a problem <laughs> Flawless is the word that she uses. And the word I'm looking for here is flawless. Uh, I love that uh, Bob's Big Boy is one of the accounts that that they make uniforms for. Yes! We don't see it, of course, but they do name drop Bob's Big Boy. All right, so now it's time for our lightning round, could, would, and should. Could the factory sew this fashion line? Not really, but yes. Not in the real world, but in this world they could. Would they? Yes. Yes. Should they? No. Yes. <laughs> no, they no. Should, they should. 
All right. So I want to spread some happiness out into the world. I want to mention another podcast that Megan and I both like, which is called 90,000 Hours. It is a, a podcast that's about jobs, which I think is really interesting because it, it really highlights a lot of those jobs that we think of as like the dream job, like writer. I think the musician is one of them. Mm-hmm. I am interested in this because um, like I think costumes is a job that people tend to think of as like, oh, what a wonderful job. And it, But, you know, the reality of any job is a lot of times you're not even doing the job that yeah. the title is. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times you might also be doing a lot of driving, mm-hmm. or a lot of talking on the phone to people, a lot of interpersonal stuff, yep. a lot of math. A lot of math, a lot of like spreadsheets and organizational things yeah. to keep everything on track. You yeah. might have to have people skills, yeah, which is something you might have never considered when you're <laughs> thinking about how you like to draw pictures, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> totally. Uh, so this podcast is really cool. It's called 90,000 Hours. Yeah. It always makes me think of, um, there's this uh, Elizabeth Gilbert quote where she says, every job, everything comes with a shit sandwich and you have to decide if you're going to eat it or not. Gross. <laughs> but like everything that you, that you like, that everything that you decide to do, every big task, every big job or whatever, it comes with its own shit and you just decide which one is worth it for you. Um, and I always think about that when I'm like, well, some every jo- every job has its imperfections and yeah. problems and things you have to take on. Oh, actually, I did have something I want to talk about with oh, okay. with this movie, which is so like there's the whole plot line where she she falsifies her resume, but it, it's kind of getting into like when I was starting to work, and probably when you were starting to work too, there was a feeling of like anything that anybody asks you to do, you say yes. Yeah, because I mean, I think in theory it's saying. You know, if somebody asks you to drive to LAX and pick up a movie star, you say yes, and then you go get a map and you figure out where LAX is and how to get there. And like, you work out the details. Mm -hmm. You don't bother your boss with like, explain to me step by step, how do I do this? You just say yes. Mm -hmm. I still have nightmares and this never happened. This is just a completely uh, imaginary scenario that I have nightmares about. But I have nightmares about somebody asking me to dye fabric, like to dye yardage. And... I don't have that skill set. I don't know how to do it. Like I can dye things for fun, but like if you wanted a specific color and it to be a consistent color throughout the entire fabric and for it to be yards and yards, if I said yes to that, oh my God, like it scares me so much to think of how much I would fail at that. But yeah, I think that was like a thing. And I, th- I hope it's not a thing now, but I think that was a thing of like when somebody on in a job situation asks you to do something, you just say yes. And so like it kind of ties in with this movie with her just being like uh like not right on top of that rose right on top of that can't rose do, yeah like most of the things this job requires well first of all i have said yes to driving someone to lax the writers of the 2005 oscars i drove to lax <laughs> and i got lost because i agreed to drive even though i had no idea barely could read a map didn't know where it was but you felt like you had to say yes the 10 right? and 405 split yeah and i um i they almost missed their flight and it was oh, so incredibly God. stressful how stressful yeah. i didn't know how to get out of it either because once i realized i was totally lost um i was way too nervous to like look at the thomas guide and they're all there's like five of them in my car no, somebody I'm, like getting anxious they're all anxious somebody figured out something and i just you know i was like 22 but um but yeah i i think that that's a really um that's really astute because it, it did used to kind of be like leave with confidence and like fix it later kind of thing. And now I feel like professionally so often it's actually the opposite where it's like, do you know how to do this? Because I do and I can show you how to do it. Um, I feel like I have conversations like this 
a lot around like my professional life. It's just like, also, you know what you're good at? Do that. Yeah. Find somebody else, hire out somebody else to do anything that you can't and like, don't, do yourself. If you don't know how to do it, please don't waste my time. Yes. Yeah. Pretending that you know how to do it. Yeah. Or if it's something I can show you, yeah. I will show you now. Don't don't feel like you have to. You don't have to pretend. <laughs> pretend. Yeah. You can die a yardage of fabric. Yeah. This kind of like transparency um, feels more modern. Yeah. And that idea of just like say yes and figure it out later feels a little bit dated. But you know, yeah. she was saying yes and figuring out everything. She knew how to do nothing. Yeah. She knew how to draw. Yeah. She knew how to draw. We did see her drawing in, in like doodling in a magazine while she's talking with her friend. She she did actually know fashion. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, and she, she she liked fashion. And she was savvy enough to know when to just not say anything. Yeah. I thought that was interesting, too. It's like things sort that's of happened true. around her, and she didn't... She, like, waited for other people to react, and that's kind of how she dodged mm-hmm. situations. And she knew how to look the part. Like, there oh, were yeah. some great montages with her doing her hair in a grown-up way. Yeah. And her makeup in a grown-up way. Brushing her bangs up in a yeah. swoop. I was like, yeah. get it, 80s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during the scene where she's in the clown dog... Um, I, uh, kind of yelled out loud, stop touching your hair. Clown dog was super gross and she was having to clean out the grease straps yes. and she kept spilling out on the floor and then she was touching her hair and I was like, uh-uh. I was also like, why are you slopping it all over the place? Like yeah. her method of washing was really unsettling to me. Yeah. I'm glad she quit that job because she's even She's more terrible t- at it than the job she got. The job she got. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, Megan, I want you to say hi to our listener in Winston-Salem. Hi, Winston-Salem. <laughs> I figured I should mention, um, I did go to school in Winston-Salem. I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts. In case anybody's like, why do we want to listen to this bitch? Um, <laughs> this bitch has a BFA in costume tech from the University of North Carolina School of the Arts and then worked in Hollywood. Um, yeah, so this was, this was a really fun and um, flawless, just flawless. Flawless movie. As Megan has proven him. to me or just beaten into me by repetition it is flawless this is flawless <laughs> as liza has systematically uh disassembled this is a flawless movie just just no flaws no flaws here at all oh man well i will say my main test of anything that i'm watching or doing or just life in general is like am i am i having a good time and yeah. i had such a good time watching this movie me i too. always have it, it's very nostalgic for me because i watched it thinking about what it would be like to be a teenager and i was uh substantially younger than my older sister <laughs> <laughs> so i always looked up to i i saw teenagerdom long before i was a teenager and like i just remember being like um this movie epitomized like cool teenagerdom to me which was awesome because i like <laughs> lived with a cool teenager long before I myself was one. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> All right, perfect. That is it. Um, let's do our little sign-off. You've been listening to There's No Thread. Keep it threaded. <laughs> okay, we're going to cut this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, 21. Uh, nope. I'm wrong. 20. <laughs> nope. 19. Liza. I'm just here to play. Liza. <laughs> I'm Don't not, get I'm not helping with this one. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah, I think we're going to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs>